0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bend and I'm the host here of the podcast, as well as the manager at BT Powerhouse. Uh, we're coming back here in July. Uh, time is moving slower and faster at the same time, I guess, as we continue through this worldwide pandemic and everything that has to go with it. Um, but we do have a little reprieve for you today, uh, a little uh, fun um, chatting about hoops. Uh, so we'll we'll try to leave the uh, coronavirus stuff on the side uh, after these initial comments. Um, so a couple of things we want to hit on. First, we're going to touch a little bit on the big recruiting news for the conference over the last week or so, as well as a big in-depth dive into the BTN All-Decade team that came out a week or so ago. Um, and then we'll probably touch on Purdue with our guest here. Casey Bartley. Uh, Casey, how's it going?
1: You know, I'm I'm tired, but trying. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> about the sentiment of the times.
0: Sure, sure. Fair enough. And just for our listeners who may not have tuned in when you were on here with us before, uh, can you just give a little background on who, who you work with uh, and where people can check out your stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I write for, I'm the lead voice for hammondrails.com which is uh sb nation's purdue affiliate uh i've been predominantly covering basketball for them the last uh four or so years um you can check my stuff out on twitter at casey bartley hr i think uh i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's right um pretty much yeah uh we're just we're doing the same stuff everyone is right now just Grasping at anything remotely basketball related, we're covering the uh the basketball tournament right now. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that uh, that thing's been a little interesting, grown over the last couple of years. For those who haven't followed, it's a little bit of an off season tournament. Some independent folks have worked out with a lot of the uh former college players that aren't quite good enough to make or stay in the NBA, so it's been a lot of fun. Purdue has a team, Illinois has a team, I know. at. Uh, BTBarhouse.com. we got a full list of all the players who are in it with big 10 ties so if anybody's interested and and wants to check out who's playing in there definitely check that out Uh, but we appreciate having casey on here and so we got to start off the top i have to hit on this i I told casey before the podcast i apologize (laughs) this is supposed to be dedicated to the btn all decade team but huge news in the recruiting world that demands at least mention and that's amani bates the Prolific 2022 all-everything prospect committed to Michigan State. Um, A few details about him off the top. He is the number one prospect per 24-7 sports in the 2022 class. There has been some rumblings that he might consider moving into the 2021 class, which would put him on campus next fall. Not uh, this coming September, October, but the next year. Um, I I don't think that's likely, but that's something I have heard a few murmurs about, so it's worth mentioning. But, um, of course, going back, number one prospect in the country. It's pretty much unanimous. He's an elite, elite prospect. I've heard some people regard him as the next Kevin Durant, et cetera. So very, very high praise. He's an elite prospect. It comes out of Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is actually just down the road from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, The big, big question about him, obviously, if he goes to the – if he plays in college, he ends up in East Lansing, whether it be next fall or in 2022. He's going to be a phenomenal player, likely an All-American candidate right off the bat as soon as he steps on campus. The big question, though, is will the NBA change the one-and-done rule Before he has to show up, or I guess before he decides whether he wants to show up in East Lansing or not. And the reason I mentioned that is there's been a lot of speculation, not only just across the board, but from the NBA side as well, that the one and done rule will likely be coming to an end in 2022, which would mean he could just go directly into the NBA draft. If he did, I would anticipate he would be selected pretty high despite being a high school player. So that's, that's the thing that's hanging out there. I I've seen a lot of people say they, they honestly do not think he's going to end up at Michigan state, whether it will be declaring, you know, if the one and done rule is gone, going straight to the, the NBA draft or exploring the, uh, the G league or exploring basketball overseas, which has become a, a more common option over the last five, six years or so. So, Big news, Um, the biggest rated recruit the Big Ten has had in quite some time. Um, It's been over a decade. Uh, Let me just pull this up because I I had the stat, and I I should have it accurate. The last time the Big Ten had uh, the number one prospect in the country, I apologize. Like I said, I, I should probably know this offhand. Um, <laughs> but uh, huge, huge prospect. Well, I guess while I'm looking this up, Casey, did you have any thoughts on Bates? Have you followed his recruitment at all? Um, any any thoughts on him?
1: A little bit. Uh, it really does seem like the tide is shifting back towards uh high school kids that are ready to look. Look, it's a little more accepted to look towards the G League. The NBA is really advanced on uh, making sure the G League is a viable project. Uh, yeah prospect for you know high-ranking recruits um like he's really young and it's hard to tell how bodies are going to move he's Mm -hmm. really thin
0: he is is, I
1: couldn't imagine him being in the NBA in two years (laughs) he is a
0: little lengthy but he moves so he's so smooth he moves so well um once he grows into that body and you know what I mean people said the same thing about Durant not again it, yeah. It's unfair to compare him to Durant as yeah. a high schooler. He's not that tall. Uh, no, no, he's he's not quite that tall. He's he's listed as 6'8". Um, you would expect he's probably going to grow a little bit uh, by the time he, he gets to MSU should he actually end up there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And I have found that stat while we've been chatting here. So the last time the Big Ten landed the nation's top prospect – that was Indiana in 2007 with Eric Gordon. And then Ohio State did it the year before in two, uh, 2006 with Greg Oden. So it's been a while since the Big Ten has landed the nation's top prospect. We'll see if he actually makes it on campus here with Bates. But still a big a big day for Michigan State. Tom Izzo deserves a lot of props on this. Uh, getting him to even say he would commit this early, I, I think, deserves some accolades.
1: That's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, I, my gut, and obviously I do have a background in, in covering Michigan um, basketball, high school level, and, and college, and I can say I did not expect him to announce this early. I figured that this would be one of those announcements where uh, we're like a month or two out from him showing up or, or not showing up, and to for him to announce this early I think speaks volumes, and my gut here is – if they change the one and done rule, I think he's going to go pro. This and this is me speculating. I should say this: this is not from a source, or anything like that. I think he's either going to go straight to the NBA, or I don't think he's going to do the Europe thing. I don't think he's going to do the G League thing for a year. Um, I think really he's going good. to go. Yeah, I think he's going to go straight to the NBA if the one and done rule is eliminated. Or I think he's going to play a year at Michigan State. That's that's my read on it. Uh, again, a lot can change, as you said. There's there's a, a ways to go. Uh, we're also speculating on the NBA changing its overall yeah. draft plan. So a lot of factors here, but something again that needed to be mentioned because uh, obviously it's it's big news. Um, the other thing I, I was just going to throw in too, while we're touching on recruiting, is uh, Northwestern is quietly putting together a pretty decent 2021 class. Uh, they're all the way up to third, uh, nationally in the class ranks, which I know everybody always complains about those and they're not perfect, but I think for a program that has, uh, struggled a little bit over the last couple of years, they, they just landed a top 100 prospect in Casey Simmons at the end of June, um, moved all the way up now. Like I said, they're top number one in the big 10, as far as class rank for 2021, which that's always a weird metric. I understand that, but still wanted to throw them out a uh, a couple props here just for uh, getting back on track on the recruiting trail. So with that, that's our uh, our mandatory recruiting note here. Just given the Amani Bates news. Um, moving moving on though, which was the other big news, and I don't know if it's news. I guess, but the BTN um, June twenty fourth they released their full all decade team. So this spanned from 2010 all the way through 2019. They weren't really. I don't. I don't know if if you agreed with this, Casey. I didn't think they were super clear on whether it was like how they counted those half seasons. Because theoretically, this last year, yeah. I, I I wasn't very clear to me how they counted that. Like for instance, Luca Garza obviously had a you know fantastic season here in 2019-20. And I wasn't sure. Do they only count the games through December? Do they count the full year because it started? I, I wasn't clear on that. Um, but generally, the, the the concept is who are the best players from 2010 to 2019 in the Big Ten. They made a first team, a second team, and a third team. Um, just starting with the first team, I'm I'm not going to list out everyone. If, if you want to check it out, you can Google it pretty easily. Uh, I know we have it up on our website as well. Uh, the full list. I'm sure we'll, we'll list almost everybody else as we <laughs> go through the, through the discussion here, but first team, Frank Kaminsky from Wisconsin, Trey Burke from Michigan, Draymond Green and Denzel Valentine from Michigan state. And then Evan Turner from Ohio state. Um, so right off the bat, uh, Casey, what were your big thoughts, takeaways, uh, et cetera, about the all decade team?
1: So same frustration you have. Cause uh decades is not the way to look at like impact with the way it's just the beast of, you know, college athletics is you have four years with them. So you're trying to parse like what part of their career counts the most. Does one year as a senior at the start of the decade count the same as one year at the end for a freshman. Mm -hmm. So it is hard to really form any objective opinion about who deserves more based off that. Um, Overall, uh, there's a couple little things here and there. Uh, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to find a balance between, uh, is this list supposed to be literally the best players or are you trying to represent yes. the Big Ten in the last decade? Because there's, there's if you, do you want to stick with the first team for right now? Or do you want to um, look at them all? Whatever you want to hit on, feel no. free. Uh, so Jordan Murphy's snuck here on the <laughs> third team. As a representation of the Big Ten as a decade, he makes sense. There's no way in hell he's a top 15 player in the last 10 years. There's just, I don't think he was ever the top 15 player in one of his seasons. So, so I, I, one comment before,
0: before I touch on that. Uh, my, the big thing I want to stress here, and this isn't me trying to, you know, cover our butts or, or anything like that, <laughs> but, Every player on this list is great. Every player who was in consideration is great. So when I say this guy is not deserving a first team or second team, I realize right. if it's a player of your favorite school, you may not like that. But every guy on this list deserves some some serious a credit, some congratulations. They all had great careers. You cannot hmm. make – I mean, the Big Ten over this, this tenure, I mean – you can make a strong argument from 2010 to 2019. The Big Ten was the strongest con- conference in the country. They had at least three, oh, four, five years. Sure. Yeah. Three, four, five years where the Big Ten, you know, Ken Palm rated it number one. I realized there wasn't a national championship, but tons of Final Fours, national championship games. I mean, great, great play from top to bottom. So to make the all Big Ten team in a given season is a major, major accomplishment. To do it over a decade is. Uh, you know extremely noteworthy it deserves a lot of praise a lot of credit so keep that in mind as we discuss (laughs) these guys you know none of these guys when I say oh he should he didn't have as good of a career knock him down that isn't to belittle their accomplishments it's just we're comparing gold against gold here they all had great careers so I just want to throw that out on the table before we get into some of the actual positioning here Yes, Jordan Murphy should not have been on this list. <laughs> that was a ridiculous inclusion, and I have seen some of the b t n voters defend why he was put on there, and the only reason they consistently say is, well, he finished, he had the most rebounds i'm I'm <laughs> sorry, I didn't understand that this was a ranking of who had the most you know stats. I thought this was the best players um in the in the big Ten over this decade, so i I looked it up when I was uh, putting together this, um, he played four years for Minnesota. His career okay. numbers were obviously very impressive, particularly mm-hmm. his rebound. He was, I think you can make an argument. He might've been the big Ten's best rebounder of the decade. However, he only was all big Ten first team <sighs> once in his entire career once. So Can't... he wasn't even a top five player for three of his four years yet. He's a top 15 player, I guess 16. Cause, uh, btn put six players on the third team i guess there was a tie they didn't i don't think i saw them reveal what the voting ranks were among the various teams but uh so he they claim he was a top 16 player of the decade despite only being a top five player once in his four-year career
1: i I like to think of it even on a more micro level at what point in jordan murphy's career was he the clear even second best player on his team
0: Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back. See, I, I thought he was the most productive guy his senior year. I thought he had a really good senior season. Was he their and, best player? I mean, let, let, let me just pull this okay, up. Just I mean, so I have this.
1: was awesome. That's true, but he
0: didn't really turn into the monster until, uh, what was that, 2000, or last year. Because Murphy was, his senior I mean, season was the year before. Otero was no, no, no.
1: Murphy's senior season was Otero's freshman year.
0: Yes, yes. Right. What I'm saying though is Otero, he, he took a, obviously a drastic leap forward last season. So his sophomore season. Um, I, I think Murphy was probably the best. I think coffee was right there with him. I would Mm -hmm. put it between those two, um, as far as who was the best guy. So I, I think there's an argument. Yeah. You could make that maybe he wasn't the best guy on his team any of, any of these years, which is also a, uh, pretty compelling argument for why right. he probably wasn't uh, deserving of this top 16 ranking.
1: Yeah. I, I He's, so that's a problem because you're going to nitpick on one person, it's going to seem, but like that speaks that's to why the-, I put the
0: front. That's why right. I put the, the thing at the front.
1: <laughs> but like, yeah, at some point you're just doing fan service because uh, I mean, everyone I think the easiest way to look at it is to almost look at your team, what you know, see where those guys are and then compare them with players on their own team. Juwan Johnson made the third team. He was Big Ten Player of the Year, senior year, the start of the decade. But there was no way he was the best player on that team. Each one more, hands down. After Hummel's injury became the best player for sure, and he probably was before that. Mm-hmm. But how much do you want to value one season in a decade? And, you
0: know, I just to hop off of that, I that was one of the things I had the most trouble with when I was looking through this list and sort of putting together how I thought I would rank it is when when you say best uh, or like all decade, I'm thinking of are we talking career contributions or are mm-hmm. we talking, you know, peak play, how good was this player? Um, and an example to me is when you look at um, a guy like Ethan Happ, or a guy mm-hmm. like Cassius Winston versus um, Evan Turner or Trey Burke or um, D'Angelo Russell, guys like that where they had this one season or two seasons um, in, the, in the case of the, a couple of these guys where it was just exceptionally productive, just exceptionally great play. You know, Trey Burke's senior – or his second season, his sophomore season, his last mm-hmm. year with Michigan – he was phenomenal. He won the wooden award. He was the best player in the country. Um, frankly, I think if we were talking a single season here, I think you could make a strong argument that Trey Burke was the best player of the decade as far as a single season. But the career contributions, he was only there two years. I mean, Cassius right. Winston was there for Ethan Happ was there for and they put up epic numbers all four years. So, you know, comparing that is, is really difficult. And I guess it's a judgment call.
1: Yeah, I, I think what you want is just the list to be consistent, and I'm not sure it is. Uh, I agree. Jumping off that, like Draymond Green is first team. I think a lot of that is built off what he's made himself into the NBA. Yeah. He was very good in college, um, mm. but he wasn't – he wasn't – he always overachieved, so it always – and he was always better than you thought he was. So <laughs> it always – you always felt like he was a little more impactful than even he was. Mm-hmm. Um, Denzel watch uh, Valentine. Kind of the same thing. Uh, Evan Turner was absolutely the best player in the big 10. Uh, but once again, that was like two seasons yeah. this decade. Uh, so I, cause if I always think when the tiebreaker should be, what is your peak? Mm-hmm which is the case for Carson Edwards to be moved up into the first team for either one of those two. Um, it's the reason why Hap at second team makes sense. His peak was never super high. Um, Cassius Winston's a weird case. I, I find it hard to keep him off the first team because there was a lot of talk about him being the best player <laughs> in all of college basketball for his last two seasons.
0: Yes. my See how I kind of approached it again – I I do agree. I didn't think the criteria was super clear, Mm -hmm. and maybe they did that by design to create a little more discussion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I agree. I think this list needs more consistency. I don't think it has it because I think some players you can say, oh, this guy is here because of his peak play. For instance, D'Angelo Russell. But Mm -hmm. the career – and by the way, if you're not looking at the list, Russell for Ohio State, he came in on the third team. but. Other guys, they're clearly bumped up because of their career contributions. Because I, I think you could argue that Russell had a better single season than any year Hap had. Um, but Hap did it for four years. Russell did it for one. So I, it looks like there's some sort of balancing act here, but it's not very clear how they're rating these things, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I think you can balance it some, but I think you have to look more at – uh what was their peak and then meld it a little bit for you need to include some team success in my eyes um you need to include what they do in conference play what they do in postseason play um, i want to hit on that. that
1: postseason play
0: and and i i, I just want to before i before you jump in um as far as the first team i thought the weakest member of the first team was clearly denzel valentine i didn't mm-hmm. even think it was close and frankly I was very surprised to see him make the top team um, over Cassius Winston. To me, Cassius Winston's career is just better. And if he had had this season, the postseason this year, I don't think there would be any debate that his career was better than Denzel Valentine's. I mean, Valentine had one year where he played at an exceptionally high level. Um, That was also a year where you can look across college basketball. There really weren't the, like, high-end players. um, Again. National awards, you're a great player, but he, when people talk about, oh, he won national player of the year, et cetera, he really didn't do it in a super stacked year. And that isn't to take away. He still won it. But I mean, some of these other guys did it in really, really deep years. Uh, mm-hmm. So to me, you look at the postseason struggles Michigan state had in some of his years as well. Um, particularly the, the big upset when they were a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, I would definitely bump Cassius Winston above him. Additionally, Jared Sollinger had a really, really good career. And I think people have forgotten how dominant he was at Ohio state. And to Mm -hmm. me, he's another guy who I think merits discussion. I definitely put him over Valentine. Um, green, I would consider, I, I think green had, had done enough at Michigan state. They made it to, I think the national championship game when he was there. Although, um, to make your point, that might have been in the previous decade. I'm not sure. I'd have to look back at that. Uh,
1: let me see if I can find it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can pull it up if you want to make your postseason play.
1: Yeah, I just... <sighs> so college basketball comes down to, like, those moments. You know, there's a, there's a reason that montage is so, like, <laughs> in our mind. It's because it comes down to March, and – to be a truly great player, and it was 2010. It looks like for the Butler run.
0: Okay, okay, so yes, that was a uh, that was in this decade.
1: Yeah, or was it? The season started in <laughs> 2009. Fair no enough. Yeah, it's not clear. Uh, <laughs> um, so, how big does that count? Like, I, I think as much as we want to look at numbers and stuff, I really feel looking back, it really becomes about narrative. And if you're going to create a Mm -hmm. narrative, it has to finish with a big March splurge. And that's why there's, there's no debating Trey Burke. There's no debating Frank Kaminsky. Um, Evan Turner never totally had his moment, but he was, uh, he was definitely a once in generation uh, player. Uh, You touched on D'Angelo Russell. It felt like something when he chose Ohio state and came to big 10, like, you know. Just the way he played as a guard, the way he controlled it, the way he could do a little bit of everything, he was doing things that other people weren 't, and that feels important, so I think he definitely fits on the third team uh you know if If march is what matters most, I think you have to have those defining moments uh it 's the argument for Carson Edwards, who had maybe maybe the hottest uh little stretch past trey Burke mm-hmm. um So there's there's like seven or eight guys that you could move between the first and second team. And it literally comes down to what you're going to value. Aaron Kraft. (laughs) The name just keeps staring at me. Yes. Yes. No. Right?
0: (laughs) So I... Once we got past the first team, I wanted to make a few comments on this third team. <laughs> the, again, there's there's six people on the third team. And for mm-hmm. those who don't have the list in front of them, it's Aaron Kraft from Ohio State, D'Angelo Russell from Ohio State, Caleb Swanigan, Juan Johnson from Purdue, Jordan Murphy from Minnesota, and then Yogi Ferrell from Indiana. So I've talked about Jordan Murphy. I do not think he should be on this list. Aaron Kraft, I think, is of the same mold. Did he have a very notable career? Absolutely. Ohio State was very successful when he was there. He was a great player, um, particularly on the defensive side of the floor, one of the best lockdown um, one-on-one defenders the Big Ten has seen probably in the decade. However, I just want to talk about a few of the people who didn't make this list that because really if we're saying he doesn't deserve to be on this list we need to talk about the people who we think should be on the list so the first and the most notable to me are three players who won Big 10 player of the year who apparently weren't good enough <laughs> to make the top uh, 16 players and that's Cade Bates-Dayup uh Diop excuse me for Ohio State Luca Garza and this gets into that sort of timeline issue because Garza technically won the award in 2020, but it started in 2019. So I don't know how that counts, Um, but he did win big 10 player of the year in the last 10 years. So I'm going to mention that. And then Nick Stauskas for Michigan, who also won big 10 player of the year. Uh, He played in a final four uh, Mm -hmm. in his freshman season. Was was really, really good. Yes. Really productive, was a starter on a Final Four. actually, they made the national championship game. And then he came back and he was the Big Ten player of the year on a team that won the Big Ten regular season title and made the Elite Eight. Uh, two-year career, then went in the NBA lottery. The fact that Aaron Kraft was above a guy like Nick Stauskis or Bates Diop, um, and a few others that should be mentioned here as well. I, well Malcolm Hill, if we're <laughs> yeah, Malcolm Hill, if we're gonna talk about just these career numbers. Uh Hill had outstanding career production numbers, a la Jordan Murphy. Um Trimble for uh Maryland, really, really solid career. They didn't have the March success that I think a lot of Maryland fans would have liked. And then uh Maurice Wagner, uh great career for Michigan, helped them get to the national championship game before he went pro. So I think that's a those are some really, really great players. And To put a guy like Aaron Kraft, who, to use your point, I don't know if he was ever the best player on his team, um, at least when they were highly relevant nationally.
1: I mean, you can stick with Michigan, Xavier Simpson. Mm -hmm. I mean, his heights were – his ability to run an offense was uh, pretty phenomenal last few years. Uh, I would rather have two years of Miles Bridges than four years of Aaron Kraft. There's,
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Um, I mean, uh, once again, it goes down to is four years enough? And mm-hmm. I, Aaron Craft is just this beloved figure for some reasons that are good and some reasons that I think are obvious that aren't uh, super worthy of merit that make us value him more. But uh, yeah, I think you're. I think you're spot on. When I would take all of those guys over him. I'd take most of those guys over Jordan Murphy, too.
0: I I would agree. I think the only one that you could really debate is Malcolm Hill because he basically has the mm-hmm. same argument that Jordan Murphy has, which right. is just these career yeah. massive numbers despite not being on super, super successful teams. And just the final point on Kraft when I was talking about, you know, he might not have been the best player on any of his teams. So his first year, he was on a team with Solinger. Solinger was definitely a better player than aaron craft according to btn's own list Solinger was a better player than aaron craft year two Solinger still on the team year three uh deshaun thomas was uber productive that year put up insane scoring numbers he was the best Mm -hmm. player on that team um and then the last season i think you could make an argument that craft was the best player however um ross was probably close to if not, and they also were knocked out of the tournament in the first round that year. They were not particularly great that season, which also should tell us about the fact that Kraft probably doesn't deserve to be on on this list over again guys like Trimble Wagner stouskis, um Garza. I can accept if you say this last season didn't count, I guess, but um that was a really interesting uh exclusion for me.
1: Yeah, uh, I Matt Garza. What he did this year was um, uh, big men aren't supposed to be that slow and be able to do all the things that he can do. (laughs) It's really impressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Aaron Craft falls under. He's he's a program changer. Like he's the right guy you want, but he's not a game. Like he's not on a court changing your perspective of what like we've all seen point guards that play really good defense that can't shoot mm-hmm. and they have a <laughs> defined limit which you know why I, they got knocked out
0: i think i think you're great the best example that you gave here with craft why he's not deserving on here is Xavier simpson because if you look through <laughs> their four-year careers it, it's hard for anyone it would be very difficult for anybody to convince me that Kraft was better, had a better <laughs> career than Xavier Simpson. Yeah. I mean, Xavier Simpson led that team. He was the reason right. that they won a lot of those games, mm-hmm. facilitating on offense. He was the he was just as much of a defensive stopper as Kraft mm-hmm. on the other side of the floor for large segments of his career. And I don't know if I would include Xavier Simpson on here because, again, I would probably say a guy like Nick Stauskas is more deserving to be on here than Xavier Simpson. And that's not to say Simpson wasn't a great player, but it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough list
1: to make <laughs> again. Yeah, it, uh, no, it really is. Uh, I wish we would get off of this like first team, second team, third team thing. And just like every list should just be a tier. Okay. Define what your tier is. Cause that that's in theory, what first team is supposed to be. The only thing is like, not all first team picks are the same. Like, Trey Burke and Evan Turner and Frank Kaminsky are kind of a step above Denzel mm-hmm. Valentine and, and Draymond greens. Uh, whatever. And if, if we could have a way that we just agreed that first team and second team sound cute, but could we just level them a little better? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a good uh, jumping off point here too. So BTN, they did release a couple more details on their all decade rankings Specifically, they did a Big Ten Player of the Decade, which was Frank Kaminsky from Wisconsin. They also did a Big Ten Coach of the Decade, which was Tom Izzo from Michigan State. Um, I'll just start by saying I, <laughs> I think Kaminsky deserves that spot. And that's even taking my Trey Burke comments uh, that I made earlier on this podcast here. <laughs> because Kaminsky did it for two years. Burke did it for one. Uh Burke had this just insane 2012-13 season. Um, but Pominsky had the two years when they made the the final four two years in a row. Um he, he to me, I thought he was an easy pick for player of the year. Um, you have any disagreement on that or
1: not really. Um I don't think he's the most exciting. Like yeah. He's not an exciting name for player of the decade, but it is it's pretty hard to argue. I thought I thought he had a program and team catered perfectly around the things he could do well and a very smart coach that uh, made it work. I, I, If I'm drafting a team out of players out of this decade, he's not my first pick.
0: Yes. Um, so it sounded like you did disagree, though, with the coach of the year pick.
1: It's Bayline.
0: Okay, okay. It's just
1: straight. There's no discussion. Izzo, <laughs> Izzo has been... Nothing but a disappointment for most of this decade. Um, that's just on court. Uh, we'll ignore all the off-court stuff, which is awful, and should not. I have ISO feelings, but no, it's Baylight. Michigan has redefined itself. Uh, been in championship games. Been at the top of the Big Ten. Um, complete. Just uh, they they don't get like the biggest recruiting classes, but all their kids come in. They ship them off to the nba they can all shoot they can all play smart they're fun to watch it's been the best offense to watch in the big 10 and then they got really good at defense too and all of a sudden you know they're making deep runs every year in the tournament it's bayline that's all there is
0: it's interesting i i am going i'm actually going to defend the list and i'll first i'll first start with your point which is yeah, I'm I'm not even I'm not even going to get into the off the court <laughs> issues one way or another for any of these coaches uh with this stuff. I'm I'm just talking on court results mm-hmm. uh that type of thing. I I do think it's izzo and the reason I would say that is first off which goes back to the whole point which is how do we consider differing tenure lengths because obviously Beeline was not there the last year uh 2019-20 which Again, I don't even know if that counts on this list or not. It's confusing, but putting that aside uh, for the moment, um, Beeline was gone the last year, so you, you got to dock a little bit there. And then Michigan State was super, super consistent. I mean, every year they're right there for the Big Ten title. They're right there for the Big Ten tournament title. Um, in the hunt, they had a multiple Final Fours, um, as we've talked about the with Draymond Green, Um, with Cassius Winston Uh, Michigan had two as well they had two trips to the national championship game they won a couple Big Ten regular season titles they won a couple Big Ten tournament titles but I think if you're looking at just a consistency like Michigan did miss the tournament one time in this last decade which Michigan State has not in 20 years or whatever it's been uh, at this point so I think that's a that's got to be a big point for Michigan State um, Would you rather then, miss
1: the tournament or lose two first round games? <laughs>
0: uh I think I'd probably rather lose. Rather lose. To me, I think I think one of the biggest different, like, if you make it to Selection Sunday and everybody has their bracket and they're filling it out, and your team is not on that list getting filled out, I think that's just that is a big punch to your program. And Michigan State's there every year. They're gonna. They have had some underachieving seasons as as you noted, um, particularly, you know, that team with Miles Bridges where they got knocked out by Syracuse pretty early. That was a huge disappointment. That team had no business going out early, but still part of it is, you know, they're disappointing, but it's because the expectations are are so, so high. So I would lean Izzo. I'm not going to argue if somebody picks Beeline. I, I think they're close, but I think I'd lean Izzo.
1: I just like, I just like Beeline. <laughs> I, I, I like him more <laughs>
0: his teams are very fun to watch i i will give you i will give you that in terms of watchability that's that's for sure um we'll see maybe maybe he'll be back in the big 10 before we know it here uh <laughs> the next couple of years you never please, you never please
1: know. don't come back <laughs> please stay away please stay
0: uh <laughs> but uh but yeah so before we put the uh all decade team to rest here i want to ask you a couple questions about purdue but um, any final thoughts here on the all-decade team? Anything uh, on that end?
1: I mean, nothing was super egregious. Um, there's no way you're going to get this right ever. Um, so it's fine. It's good to it's good to think back on it. and Remember, you, it, it, I don't know if I'm getting old now, but it's like Kaminsky feels like decades ago. So it's good to kind of just remind yourself, like, oh yeah, it's not that long ago when they were here.
0: I'm I'm going to have the lamest hot take ever, but uh, this is just reminds me of, man, what a fun decade of basketball, uh, <laughs> just reliving some of these uh, great players, and particularly that 2012 through 2014 stretch, I thought was just awesome, and so many of the players are from that era, where it just seemed like the Big Ten was so deep, so stacked, um, so just a lot of fun. Um But I think uh, you know we'll see we'll see what's to come. The only big disappointment again is no national championship for the Big Ten. Hopefully that ends sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm sure everybody in the Big Ten hopes so. Uh, But we'll we'll leave it at that. We're probably going to have a few more interesting things on the website. Also, those were the
1: worst years of Big Ten basketball for sure. (laughs)
0: Uh, A Purdue fan would say that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But on that note. so Purdue, uh, what what are they going to be the expectations this year? So Boilermakers uh, had a really bizarre season. Mm-hmm. They finished twenty fourth on Ken Palm. They finished with a winning record, barely sixteen and fifteen overall. They seem like an NCAA tournament team in quality, um, but the wins aren't there. We're guessing they probably would have fallen short if the Big Ten tournament had occurred. Obviously, it did not. Um, First, uh, what do you make of last season and sort of how do you view that as a building block into next season?
1: So last year's team was built for Carson Edwards. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to be on that team. At at, at no point did it ever look like Carson was – when he, you know, came to West Lafayette, did it ever look like he was going to leave early for the NBA. He was undersized, blah, 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 outside the top 100. This team was full of periphery pieces that were meant to just... Carson Edwards should have played last year for Badut and he should have shot 40 times a game. He would have scored 42 a game. It would have been incredible. He would have won National Player of the Year. It, it is, would have been so much fun. Instead, uh, we were forced into this kind of uh, transitional year where we we didn't have the guy. We didn't have the lead guard. Um, we had nice pieces around us, and it, and it, it kind of... Gave everyone a false sense that we were a little better than we were. Uh, We were leaning on guys that didn't have solid basketball foundations. So the more we had to lean on them, the more they showed cracks, Um, particularly the two left-handers that left. Uh, No, Joe Eastern and Matt Harms. They were both supposed to step up this year. uh, But, you know, you can't be a lead guard that can't dribble or shoot. And then Matt Harms was a really good energy guy off the bench. Got a lot of blocks. Was really tall and fast. Looked like he should be a great defensive player. Was constantly confused or in the wrong position by any kind of advanced uh, guard dribble movement. He was easy to get out of position. Uh, He chased blocks. Uh, Purdue lost that Virginia game in the Elite Eight mostly off the back of Matt Harms being out of position for rebounds and jumping off of shots. Uh, so we are going to really test the theory of addition by subtraction next year. Uh, Trevion Williams is awesome. I, I don't know how much you got to watch him. He's one of the best passing big man I've ever seen in my life. It's gorgeous.
0: He had a he had a great season. I got the chance to watch him live when he played uh, against Michigan in the uh the overtime game where he just
1: Oh we need to double him for no <laughs> reason.
0: It was an interesting strategy by the Wolverines in, in that one and Howard. Uh but he yeah, he just went ballistic and had a fantastic individual performance. Purdue ended up falling short in that one, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as Purdue. When when I observed him, it just seemed like they didn't have the offensive playmaker that they needed to carry them against the tougher opponents. And ultimately, you know, you need somebody who can elevate your game um, in in those ones. And it was Williams, but I mean, he's he's a big man. He mm-hmm. he can only create so much yeah. for himself. And you had a lot of guys that were are really good complimentary pieces to play around somebody else, but ultimately um you know I, I say this all the time uh, on this podcast. Everybody who listens to this is probably sick and tired of me saying it, but if you want to be good, you need to have star players it's It's uh-huh. simple, but it it's true i I always get a lot of pushback by this. you know you don't want third team all big ten guys. you need an all big ten guy, you need a top ten uh, player in the conference because you need a star who can lift you up and elevate your team. All the best – go look at the teams that were going to make the NCAA tournament in the Big Ten this year. Go look last year. It's basically a list of the team – the guys who are in the All-Big Ten team and (laughs) the second team. And to me, Purdue didn't have that guy. I mean, Williams really showed a a ton of potential. I think he has a chance to have a great year next year. Um, But they they just – they lacked that that other piece there that could carry him in the backcourt.
1: Which is why next year is going to be so much fun because Purdue's bringing in two guards, Jaden Ivy, uh, small pick and roll uh, wizard with the ball, tough kid, uh, and then Ethan Morton, who is they say he's six four. I swear he's six 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 seven. He's huge for a guard. Like he's going to be a wing. Um, both those guys are. We we really lacked in guards that could attack a defense and make a pass. Uh, We didn't have Mm -hmm. much fluidity to uh, our ball ball handlers games. And those two both bring that at a time when we need them and they both can shoot. So pretty much we are subtracting uh, positions that we kind of already had filled. Like we'll be fine on the wing and we'll be fine inside. We are bringing in the skill sets that we need for next year. Plus our two red shirts. Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis. Um, Brandon Newman is a athletic freak mm-hmm. and a dog on the court. And, and Purdue's
0: had a lot of success with these red shirts. I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are are very hesitant when they hear the word redshirt shirt in basketball. And I get it. Most good players are not going to red shirt because if they were really good players, they play. But Purdue has a history of this under Painter and, the guys show up and they play <laughs> afterwards mm-hmm. um very well. So I, I think that's a big boost. What what do you think is the peak of, of Purdue's potential this season?
1: Uh I think we have another Elite Eight. Everything breaks right, Final Four team next year. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh I I've been circling these guys on my calendar for a long time. Uh I felt like this year was gonna be a placeholder. Mm-hmm. And then Uh, we've got a lot of guys that are very close and the more they can step towards their more natural positions. um, We do better when everyone on the floor is smart and dangerous and can attack from anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's how the motion offense works. Matt painter knows how to coach that. He knows how to exploit defenses. And next year we are going to have that. And I really do think we are going to get after people. We have athletes everywhere. We're going to be real quick. And I think we, we, uh, Purdue will be a a couple plays away from doing some real damage next year. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I'm, I don't know if I'm quite that high <laughs> on the Boilermakers, I, but I I, I, I called
1: the 19th season, by the way. I called okay. the,
0: Elite. okay. Well, see these things. Maybe this is the, the, <laughs> everybody record this, save it. Uh, <laughs> we got, we got a call now. Call I, your book. I, Yes, I I think Purdue could have a really nice season. I certainly think they're going to be on the safe side of the bubble coming around this time of year, and I think you could see that. Again, If I think Purdue, and this is something I talked on the podcast a lot last year, talked about on the website, which is the Big Ten was ridiculously deep last year. And we all, we all talk about how the Big Ten's really good, et cetera, but I've never seen a year that was as deep as it was last year. I'm not sure if the top top end of the conference was as good as um, we might have hoped, but so like everybody was good. You had two teams that were bad. You had Nebraska and Northwestern. Everybody else was good. And ultimately what that was going to do is there were going to be a team, a couple teams that were going to get on the wrong end of that thing, because they were going to get in one of these rough schedule stretches where it's not even really their fault. And, the teams last year that got it were Minnesota and Purdue where they were just a hair short in a, enough games where the record was terrible because they just, they didn't have these, you know, games against uh mediocre teams like Northwestern, which I should, I should note Purdue did blow a game against Nebraska. So maybe that wouldn't have yeah, helped everything. <laughs> maybe it wouldn't have helped yeah, everything. Uh, but uh, I, I think you can make a strong argument that if, the bottom of the Big Ten last year had been a normal bottom where you have a bunch of teams that are, you know, maybe 60th, 70th, 80th on Ken Palm instead of, you know, Indiana was eh, you know, on the bubble. They're 34th on Ken Palm. Uh, I mean, Rutgers you
1: know, <laughs> was good. That just throws everything off.
0: <laughs> Rutgers was legitimately good. Yeah. They were like a top 25 team yeah. last year. And so you just had no off nights. I mean, you look at some of these losses and it's like, at Illinois. Okay. At Michigan in double overtime. <laughs> at Maryland. Like th- this is a brutal brutal schedule and I, I should we should note too that Purdue ended up finishing 6th in overall strength of schedule, which is absurd, absurd for a major power conference team. That's insane. And ultimately I think that was their undoing. They just they didn't quite have the roster to overcome that, but I'm I mean, optimistic. I
1: you, you can't tell me we didn't
0: <laughs> they they were alive, we're, for, they it. Were they were alive for it. They were gonna make a fine push. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. I, I wasn't I wasn't ruling them out uh, necessarily, but it would have they taken weren't a it up. They were
1: young. Uh everyone was kind of playing a new position, and no one was all that suited for the new position. It there was talent, but there was talent everywhere in the Big Ten, like you said, and it wasn't a season where you could feel your way through it
0: exactly i mean it was one of those years where again somebody has to lose everybody <laughs> can't win every game and ultimately when you have 12 of 14 teams that are all good again penn state is is was good last year iowa was good wisconsin was good both of the michigan teams were good i mean michigan started the season what like 15 and 0 or mm-hmm. something um excuse me i take that back they started 7 and 0 they knock off gonzaga They get up to like 11 and four, 10 and three, something like that. They finished like ninth in the Big Ten standings (laughs) because the league is just that deep, that brutal. Um, And you knew somebody was going to get bit by it. It was Minnesota. It was Purdue last year. Um, It's unfortunate, but hey, as you said, uh, you didn't technically miss the NCAA tournament.
1: Nope. Streak is still alive.
0: Streak is alive. The streak is alive. But um, with that, uh, I guess before before we end it um what what should Purdue fans be watching? Obviously, it's unprecedented times uh a lot of the recruiting stuff is shut down, but uh what should purdue fans I guess be following here over the next couple of months as we prepare for the season
1: i I don't know it's it's hard, <laughs> just anything that distracts you i guess um enough. i I don't know Instagram where uh you can watch. Ethan Morton looked good in high school. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be getting better in the next month or two. So, I'm I'm worried there's going to be anything to watch in a few months. But, I don't, okay. go watch the basketball tournament tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, You can go watch Evan Boudreau and uh, Isaac Asimov's three foot layup. Still, so <laughs>
0: yes, uh, check that out. Um, a lot of a lot of good stuff as as we continue to move on. Of the season that I am, st- I'm just going to keep proclaiming it's going to happen. I'm going to speak it into existence. <laughs> um, the season that, that's forthcoming. Um, again, Casey, thank you for joining us. Um, any final thoughts? And then uh, remind people where they can check out your stuff.
1: Uh, no, thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate it. Always fun to talk a little basketball. Um, you can see my stuff on hammerandrails.com or check me out on Twitter, Casey Bartley HR.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again. As always, make sure to check out btpowerhouse.com. We got a lot of stuff going on, um, working through the 10 most memorable games for each big 10 team over the last decade. So those should be fun. Um, with that, uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at T bendit. follow BT powerhouse on Twitter at BT powerhouse, and we will see you all next time.